You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markson. I'm the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, thank you for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. Now, the World Cup is well underway and I'm recording this just moments after Cedric and his teammates uh, found a way uh, to get through to the round of 16 where they will face Uruguay on Saturday. Um, Not the most... um, technically gifted or entertaining match maybe, uh, but still plenty of tackles, um, plenty of plenty of things going on, plenty of passion uh, being shown all around the pitch. It was uh, definitely enjoyable in that uh, regard, even if the maybe quality of the football wasn't everything we would have hoped it would be. Um, but as a neutral, I'm just really enjoying uh, the majority of the matches. I didn't watch the Spain game, um, but I did see that they drew, which means that Cedric and Portugal then uh, finished second in the group. Uh, they'll move on. And we'll see how it goes from there. Um, Jan Benrak, of course, is eliminated. Poland is eliminated. Uh, Yoshida still has a chance. And we'll have to see kind of what happens uh, from there. So we'll keep that in mind. But uh, the focus of this right now is not necessarily um, the World Cup. It is on uh, a few other things. And this week we are joined by Mark Sanderson. Uh, Mark Sanderson, you may remember him and you should remember him, hopefully, um, as the author of the Bobby Stokes book, The Man from Portsmouth Who Scored Southampton's Most Famous Goal. Um, Mark is an author. He is a storyteller. Uh, he does lots and lots of good things and you will have seen him around Twitter. He's on Twitter at underscore Mark Sanderson. And, um, we had him on way back on episode 10 to talk about the book. Um, but this week we're back, uh, with something a little bit different. And, um, I am a big fan of podcasts. If you listen to this show, uh, you know that already. Um, so Mark recently uh, started his own podcast and it's more of a kind of a narrative podcast, not necessarily like an interview uh, like this show is, uh, it, it's something a little bit different. So, uh, I heard the first episode, I got really excited, uh, reached out and, uh, we had a chat about the podcast, about where the idea came from, why he chose it. Uh, we talked about the world cup. We'll talk about Tadich possibly leaving, uh, and things like that as well, just simply because, um, that's kind of where the conversation went. So, um, our conversation is quite lengthy, so I don't want to take a bunch of time here, but I do want to thank you for listening. Uh, I hope that you are enjoying the world cup. I hope you enjoyed England's victory, uh, on Sunday. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, for the most part, I'm, I'm enjoying, uh, the majority of the games, even if, uh, you know, VAR gets in the way just a little bit. So, uh, like I said, we will talk to Mark Sanderson about all of that, uh, about his podcast and about everything else. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to join or be joined rather by Stephen Brandt, who runs the Yellow Card podcast. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Stuart Armstrong, the uh, incoming signing. It sounds like Saints are going to have, uh, you know, relatively soon. Um, and 
Stephen is a, a podcaster. He runs, like I said, the Yellow Card Podcast. He writes uh, for a number of, of places, and he is a Celtic fan and a Liverpool fan, so he's on both sides of kind of these Southampton transfer conveyor belt, uh, for better or worse. So we'll talk to him a little bit about Stuart Armstrong, what we can expect um, from the man coming over from Celtic. So let's go ahead and, and jump into that now. So here is my conversation uh, with Stephen uh, about Stuart Armstrong. We'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Stephen Brandt. You can find him on Twitter at Stephen C. Brandt, and he also runs the Yellow Card Podcast that is at Yellow Card Pod. Uh, I've been a guest on there before. Um, so, Stephen, uh, thanks for joining me today to talk a little bit about uh, Stuart Armstrong. As a, as a Celtic fan, we'll get your kind of view of him and, and kind of what he can bring to the team. So uh, uh, before we do that, how are you? Not bad. It's, it's it's a nice. It's a really weird rainy Sunday morning here out on out on the East Coast. So you got you got me at a good time where I'm not either coaching, writing, reading, or running around like a madman. So it's good morning. Yeah. All right. You gonna be watching uh, some of the World Cup a little later on? Yeah. I mean, I, I try to, and I know this is gonna offend people. I I try to miss the English, the England ones because I just don't really care about the English. English FA whatsoever and the let's fawn all over them. So, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to keep to like the lesser media because the problem I've had with this world cup is that every pass or every, every goal is, well, they can do it. So everything about America is bad. It's, it's really wrapping my mind, but I'm fortunate unlike you where I can do a non club pod i could go on for like a half hour after a guest and just lose my ever loving mind about something and it can yeah all right well um you know there is talk now it looks like it's going to, to happen relatively soon that that Stuart armstrong's going to come over from celtic um what what can you like what are we getting what is southampton getting in 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 Stuart? you're going to get a squad player i mean i i look at, i'm looking at the transfer fee and you know you know how transfer fees are now about 90% of it is overblown anyway. I mean, I, I still can't believe that Neymar was $220 million to go to PSG. So, I mean, you're basically getting him as a free transfer, more or less. I mean, you're going to get a decent player. Here's, here's the problem that you're going to get with him, is that he's got outside interests, which are great. The problem is he's studying to be a lawyer. So, you may have someone who's dialed in that wants to play, but is eventually looking for something better. He's not going to be your star player. He's not going to come down and be within three years. Get, get, you won't get 45 to 75 million for him from another place. He's going to, this is going to be about where he tops out. I mean, I, I think Southampton is a little bit above him, but not too much. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Now coming coming over from from Celtic, we obviously had some success uh, with with players coming over from there with Fraser Forrester, Victor Wanyama, um, Virgil Van Dyke, and, and those players, except for Forrester, moved on and had had relatively good careers. Um, Celtic does dominate that that league for the most part. Um, I won't, I don't want to fall into the narrative of saying that, you know, it's, they're the only team there necessarily, but, um, you know, he, Armstrong seemed to fall out of favor a little bit this season with injury and things like that. And if he's not making it into the Celtic team, 
you know, on a weekly basis, it, do you think he's going to be able to, to handle the, the premier league and be able to make an impact on the squad? Because I would look at, at our kind of central midfield and say like, that's probably one of the strongest areas of the team. If everybody hangs around. Yeah. I mean, what are you looking at him as? Are you looking at him as a, as a starter and a star, or are you looking at him as a squad player? Well, like you said, I, I would imagine he's going to be a squad player. Um, we, we do have the aging Steven Davis, who's been at the club for a long time, and he can play both um, almost in, in the number 10 in a 4-2-3-1. Um, and when we play, I think he generally is deployed in that in that role when we have to be slightly more defensive uh, when we're coming up a team against a team that's going to, to be kind of attacking us. And he has the ability to go forward. Uh, but not necessarily, you know, isn't isn't super flashy. He's not Mezzadozo. He's going to track back and play defense and all that stuff. I would imagine, uh, and from some talking to some of the other people, that's where I see Armstrong playing. Is he can he can go forward, um, but he will also kind of maybe hopefully uh, play play defense and can and can can win the ball back and things like that. Is that is that kind of what he can do? Yeah, I mean, you are getting another Davis in there now. He didn't really fall out of favor there. As I mean, as I mentioned before, he's studying to be a lawyer. So I mean. If you if you remember anything with with when you were in school, it's hard to when you when you're going to something good to study, put your mind all to it. Now, I will back up and say yes, Celtic is the only team in the SPL, but I am highly biased toward that. So you probably want a rational, probably want a rational Celtic fan with this. Um, he's going to take time to adapt. Obviously, coming to any difference nation or league you have to adapt you're not going to see someone come from the continent into southampton you're not going to see someone from real madrid come to come to southampton and suddenly light the world of fire it, the epl is a different league spl is a different league spl is what the epl was in the 80s 70s and 80s very hard league not much some scoring but more of what the sport should be. Armstrong's going to be a good wave type of player. He's going to be like what happened with Joe Ledley, the last one that came down and went, I think he's with Cardiff now. Going to be around, going to be a good player, and that, that's about it. All right. All right. Um, looking at his, his stats from... Uh... 2017, 2018, and then also the 2016, 2017 season. There's a huge, you know, he scored a ton of goals uh, in 2016, 2017, and only three goals this year. So, is looking at his history, he doesn't score a ton. Is that is that that 15 goals in in the um, in the Scottish Premier League? Is that is that just a, an anomaly? Is that is that I, I shouldn't I, we shouldn't expect that from him? We should expect three, four, five goals a season uh, rather than 15. Well, you're looking at. Celtic is arranged differently. You don't, you don't, they don't need to score from their midfield to smack around Hamilton or Partick Thistle or any of that. They've got the young Moussa Dembele who could put up goals. You've got Lee Griffiths, Scott Sinclair. You've got enough goal scoring where all you need someone like Stuart Armstrong is to provide the link between the defense and the offense. Yeah, it would be nice if you could get someone, but that's not how you guys are set up. You you need him to get to the front. Now he's gonna he's probably gonna start to be a cup guy at first to get to the league. You're probably gonna get four to five goals because you're not you're not gonna get 
bucket of a lot of stuff. Goals in the SPL are hard to come by because it's not that it's it's an easy league, but it's a hard league to get stuff in. All right. Well, um, oh, overall, are are you guys going to to miss him? Is this going to be a will he be replaced at Celtic um, relatively easily? You think? Yeah, because I mean, here's the thing that people get a lot give Celtic a lot of trouble that they're the only team up there. It's because they actually have a good youth system and can bring bring players through, and they're they're recruiting from all continents. Lennox Town has a lot of great players coming through, and Celtics been doing this since the fifties. So they will find some. There's um there's that Henderson kid that's young. Um, they have the they have the defender um Tyranny who's should. You guys actually should have gone and gotten him because he's gonna he's gonna be Virgil Van Dyke but better at this point. Brendan Rodgers, who I don't rate as anything in the league in any league, will find someone. It's will will find someone. Will transfer someone in. I mean, they just uh, Celtic just transferred someone in from PSG, so they've got the context to find someone good, someone young. Grow to go somewhere else. All right, all right. Well, I guess that's that's good for for you guys for Celtic, and hopefully it it works out for us, and we can, you know, it, hopefully I think Armstrong is an improvement over some of the, maybe some of the players we have, some of the squad players we have, and hopefully we can, you know, move forward, and he'll grow into his role there, and and we'll kind of see how it goes. But, um, but yeah, and hopefully, um. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't know if it's hopefully or not. But at some point, it seems like they go from from Celtic to to us, and then uh, you know we'll we'll hand them back to to Liverpool in a few in a few years, which uh, you also support. So uh, we'll work he's on a, it for he, a while. He's not. He's not. He's not Liverpool quality. Thank you for uh, filling filling me in on on Armstrong and and sh- taking some time to share uh, with us. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll have to see how he how he gets on this season. And and yeah. No problem, man. All right. We will, uh, we'll talk to you later. All right. Cool. Thanks. And special thanks again to Stephen Brandt for joining me. Once again, you can check out the Yellow Card Podcast. The links are in the show notes, so do not hesitate to go over there and check it out. It's recorded live. Usually shows up twice a week, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday nights in the U.S. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's a well-rounded kind of soccer show. They get lots and lots of writers on there uh, to talk about current issues and other things uh, outside of Saints. Obviously, it's not a, a team-specific show. So uh, thanks to Stephen for doing that. And, and that's kind of what we can expect from a Celtic fan um, from Stuart Armstrong. So we'll have to see uh, how he progresses, how he gets on, hopefully the injuries uh, and the other things that he has going on in his life don't kind of interfere with um, his uh, performance here at Saints. So uh, there we go. But now it's time to move on to talk to Mark Sanderson. Once again, uh, we'll talk about his podcast, which is called Behind the Story. Uh, we'll talk about a little bit about his book just to, to give you a refresher. Uh, and we go through some other things as well. So I hope that you enjoy it. And I'll talk to you on the other side of the interview. We'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Mark Sanderson. You can find him on Twitter at underscore Mark Sanderson. And we're here to talk about uh, his podcast. And 
last time you were on, Mark, we talked about your book and it was way back. I looked it up. I think it's episodes 10 and 11. Uh, and now we're on episode, uh, this is 76. So it's been, it's been a while, uh, but, but we've talked a little bit here and there on Twitter uh, since then. And welcome back to the show. And, and thanks. Thanks, Matt. Hey, is this episode 76? It is. Well, that's, that's ironic, isn't it? Because, you know, obviously us, the, the book being that Bobby Stokes, 1976, here he goes again, plugging his book. It's, it was meant to be, wasn't it? <laughs> it it is. was meant to be. We didn't stage that, by the way. No, it's no. It's been ad-libbed by me. If I was smarter, I, I would have, I would have planned it, but, uh, it, but I guess it all, it, it works out. And I, I'm, I'm one not to, I don't tend to believe in, in coincidence, but, uh, maybe this is, maybe this is one of those. Um, I feel a little bit strange now. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, but, but some things have changed since we last talked, uh, obviously different season, whole season has gone by, um, uh, and be a little bit tiny, a little bit of, di- of a different feel, I guess. Um, but, but you've also, you know, you started, uh, to do your own podcast, which is, uh, something that I, I'm, I'm interested in and hopefully I will not, uh, be too much of a nerd about the questions I ask and they will apply to, to everybody. Um, cause it is football related, but, um, just first off, how, how are you? Are, are things well or how, how are things going? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm glad last season's over. <laughs> Enjoying the World Cup, really. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I was really worried that I wasn't going to enjoy the World Cup given that America is not in it, but it's actually yeah. just, it's freed me up just to watch the games and kind of, you know, um, enjoy Croatia and uh, enjoy, uh, you know, watch watch Tadic play and, and just kind of not have to worry about results and who we're going to face and if we're going to make it through or anything, I just get to watch. So it's kind of nice for me. Yeah. It's a shame the U S aren't there, but I can, I can relate to that. Cause I, I really enjoyed as a kid, the 1994 world cup, which England didn't get to, which is in the States. And I enjoyed the 2008 euros as well, which England didn't make. It was kind of like a stress-free watching. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like what it's nice to watch your own team, but it's fun. It's I, I really look forward to, to, to watching all the others as much as anything else you know uh fox who has the coverage here has really been pushing like the root for your roots so root for where you came or where your parents are from or where you know your family's from or whatever um and and then when that i'm not sure if that didn't catch on or whatever but then we had one of our biggest stars uh you know landon donovan who is huge in terms of sure. influence and stuff like that um come out last week uh just before the germany mexico game uh with a sponsored post for wells fargo holding up a mexico scarf saying like we should support Mexico and the outrage um, from oh, on just Fox, on Fox. I'm sure that went down very well. Yeah. Well, no, no, it was, it was on, it, I, I'm not even sure if Fox did anything, but Twitter was a mess. Like people were not happy. And because this is essentially like, you know, if you didn't make it, if England didn't make it, but Wales and Scotland were both there and, and, and David Beckham's holding up a, a, a Wales or, or Scottish scarf saying, you know, like, Oh, root for these guys, you know, now we're all going to get behind them. And it's like, Maybe, maybe not. And maybe that's not the, yeah. the correct comparison. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it would be something else. I think that's okay. Yeah. People lose their minds. I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty relaxed. I just like to see the best players play, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of my students, a lot of people around here where I live are, are supporting the Mexican national team. And if you, uh, the U S has played uh, a couple of big games against Mexico in Texas and in Southern California. And they've realized like that's a home game for Mexico. Essentially there, you yeah. got to play, you got to play Mexico in Columbus or in, you know, somewhere on the East coast, you got to get away from the Southern border. Otherwise it's a, uh, it's not really an advantage to the, to the, to the U S team. So, um, you know, that, that just is the way it is. And it's, it's always fun when, when we play Mexico because all the kids at school will, 
um, make sure and, and point out, yeah, you know, the, the jersey that I'm wearing is not the one they're wearing and they 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 want to they want to talk about it. So it's it's fun. No, I bet. I mean, that was probably one of my, I'd say my favorite games so far, the Mexico game oh, in yeah. Germany. Yeah. Because they seem, they've played Germany, I, I haven't checked this, they've played Germany a lot over the last 20 years in the World Cup and normally, you know, give a good account of themselves and lose. Yeah. So I thought that was quite a, that kind of summed up this World Cup nicely in the past not always, but usually there's a team just peaking as, as the World Cup begins, and they're the ones everyone's hanging their hat on. But I don't think there is that team this this tournament, which makes it more interesting. Yeah, it seems like all the big teams are missing a piece. You know, um, there there are holes in everybody's team. It, it seems like even if there's a lot of depth there, there's just whether it's the manager or a goal scorer or something. There's something yeah. not quite right, and so it. And, and it, for me, it just like I said, it's just been entertaining as as as, as possible. I I can't. Uh, you know, I can't complain at all. It's been it's been fantastic. I wouldn't want to play Russia. That's all I'm saying. No, 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 no. <laughs> they've um, had a remarkable rise. No comment. No, no further comment on that. But they've yeah. had a remarkable, uh, incredible eight goals in two games. We're not gonna we're not gonna look into that any further. We're it's not gonna just, speculate. We're just, yeah, we're just it's all just totally. It's all just totally normal. They just turned it off <laughs> the tournament. Definitely nothing funny there. Uh, um, but all right, so so let's. Let's talk a little bit. I have some questions about 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 the podcast, and the podcast is called Behind the Story. Is that correct? It is. I'm a bit embarrassed because you know this is number seventy six for you. I know all the other Saints podcasts they, they do loads, and I just I just suddenly well, I listen to so many podcasts. A bit like you, I'm sure we all do, don't you? On your way to work, whether you're driving or in the car, but it's more of a thought. Maybe you're going for a run. You don't have to sit down and watch it. You can do it. You can listen to it more passively. And there's so much out there. I mean, it must be killing radio i mean so and i just realized with the book i've got loads of tapes interview tapes and i said if i was more on the ball i could have turned them into little uh maybe not hour-long podcasts but five minute snapshots of of, of interviews because it's something i really enjoy doing with the book you know rather than writing a novel where you're you know shut away by yourself making things up a lot of it was going out and meeting people and talking to them and getting them to open up and even though I was doing so much of that, it's taken me quite a long time to realise I really enjoyed doing that. So I kind of thought, oh, well, you know, I've got a few Saints fans on Twitter. Why not? I, I kind of miss doing that. But I don't, I don't really feel like I had a strong enough idea for a, another book at the moment. But it would be good just to talk to talk to a few guys for 20 minutes or so about you know their memories. And obviously, because they used to be pros, they're not so uptight about what they can talk about. You know, you can't really talk to guys now about what's what's going on behind the scenes because it's it's also you know commercially sensitive or whatever they can't say that but the older guys they can they can kind of say what they want and it's quite a lot of nice insights i've only done the one it's a lot of fun to put together and i'm hoping i can do a, a few more i don't think i'm going to be as prolific as as you matt and some of the other guys but um and maybe it won't always be about saints but i think for the moment it's going to be focusing on on saints so I can't give anything away, but I'm, I've got a few people I'm, I'm leaning on at the moment to hopefully have a few more interviews. So, all right, watch this space. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I, when I saw it, I get, um, we were talking beforehand. I get, I get really excited because I, you know, I want to know. And 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 being a fan, uh, you know, who is I'll still say relatively new to to being a fan of Saints. Uh, it's only been I guess now four or five years. Um, and so when you you bring in guys that played you know, kind of bef- uh, before the premier league or even early in the premier league era, it's, it's still new and it's still kind of, 
you know, uh, the, the connections going back are, are not, um, maybe they're, they're not as clear for me as somebody as maybe somebody who's watched for you know most of their life where you kind of have this, um, this timeline of, of players and storylines and things like that. And, and for me, it's, it's still patchy, even though I've read about it and everything else. And so to hear, uh, the story, uh, to hear kind of the memories and stuff like that, um, uh, it's enjoyable. And it's one of the things I really enjoyed about one of the other, uh, Saints podcasts, the Saints FC podcast was they started with just doing those interviews and just yeah. to hear, uh, those guys recount some of the tales of, of people they've played with and, and matches they played and things like that. Um, I found it to be really interesting. And, um, when I had the chance to talk with Anthony Amy, that was, that was maybe, you know, it was the most stressed out I've ever been in, uh, in terms of doing an interview. Um, but it was also just, just really, really, uh, a, a pleasure to be able to kind of look back and have him clarify things when I had questions and misconceptions and stuff like that. So you, you were stressed out, Matt, what were, what were you stressed out about? Uh, just coming off like I wasn't like I didn't know what was going on, you know. Uh, I w- I was afraid of of appearing to be, um, I don't know, found wanting for for context and stuff like that. And um and and you know you're talking to somebody who, you know, in America, like I don't know, I don't I don't see like professional athletes are held up as this big kind of like almost untouchable thing. And so to to have the opportunity to have somebody say, yeah, I'll give you an hour or give you I'll give you forty five minutes, like. I was like, I have to make the most of this. I can't ruin this. And, and that, that was it. It was just kind of fear, fear of failure, which is a, a common thing in my life uh, that I've, I've been working on, but it's still, it's still there. I think we can all relate to that, Matt. Yeah. Not, not, not in terms of you. I mean, personally. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's been one of those things where uh, I, I spend all, all year and this is going, we're, we're off the script, but it's okay. Um, uh, I've been, I spent all my, my time trying to encourage kids to take chances and push themselves and put themselves out there and on all that stuff. And it's one of the things that I, the, the podcast has been a really good opportunity for me to work on that, um, myself, because it's, it's putting myself out there to, it's reaching out initially when I, uh, you know, tried to contact you and, and anybody else when I, it's just making that leap of, of, and, and being willing to be rejected and being willing to make mistakes and all that stuff. And it's, uh, it's been good for me in terms of, uh, you know, just, just being more accepting of, of making mistakes, I guess, and, and, and learning from them. So oh, good for you, Mike. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so you mentioned that you weren't sure how often you'd be able to put together episodes, but I have like a, you know, your show is different. You know, I, my show is I call somebody, I talk to them, I edit it, I put it out that week. You're putting together a story. you you had clips of things thrown in there. You had, uh, you know, some, some narrative stuff in there and that, that's a whole different kind of genre of, you know, I, I, I classify this more as an interview podcast and yours is more of a, a kind of a narrative a storytelling, almost like, I don't know if you've ever, if you're familiar with this American life or uh, any of the stuff that a lot of the stuff that NPR does, it's, 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 it's much different than that. So it's, I think you're, you've picked a, a little bit of a harder road, but um, what kind of, what kind of pushed you towards doing, doing audio? I know you said you didn't quite have an idea for a book, but uh, was there anything else about, about audio in general that really made you want to try it? Well, I think with the, with the book I wrote, because it was so, it was such a big story to tell. Um, I felt with audio it gives you an opportunity to tell sort of smaller stories, smaller dispatches, you know, because I listen to so many podcasts. Um, I mean, I feel in, in many ways, the, the, the podcast all you guys do, I feel a bit of a fraud in comparison because a lot of guys go, you know, they're seasoned to get holders and they go. 
and for various reasons, you know, family commitments. So I don't. I stay. In, I stay in touch with what's going on at the Saints via the radio and what have you. But I think why I just was. I just listen to so many. I'm not really a TV guy, you know. I'm not really a Netflix guy. I've always loved the radio. In fact, that's really how I started with Saints, really, back in the late 80s when football wasn't on TV so much, you know. It was kind of like, you're almost like, it was. It, it's so weird looking back, like being a kid, being 10, because football didn't, hadn't really got the big kind of marketing drive it got after the 1990 World Cup and then Sky picking up the rights to the Premier League. There had been a lot of disasters, a high school disaster in Hillsborough, in the... In the in the UK and in Belgium, you're almost kind of like a leper, but you're a football fan. Oh, it's mm-hmm. kind of almost like an alternative thing. So to, for me, to the Saints, my dad wasn't really a massive football fan. So he wasn't like taking me when I was really, really little. So it was just listening to the local radio, you know, BBC Radio Solent would have the, would have the commentary. And as long as you got a transistor radio, you could, you could listen. So I guess maybe the seeds were always there. The seeds have always been sown for, audio and I still do you know what I still love listening to football on the radio I actually find Saints really stressful because I obviously I, I care I care um, who wins obviously Adam Blackmore and Dave Mertens I think they do a really I love what they do but I find it quite stressful I, I enjoy it when there's uh, I think that's I think Tom Waits said that once his favourite sound he said oh, the sound of a ball game on the radio and I can I can relate to that if it's if, if BBC Radio 5 are doing a game on the radio it's, it could be anybody not in, not in Saints that's a very relaxing thing to listen to. I don't know what it is. In fact, all sports on the radio. It's so counterintuitive, isn't it? Because you can't see what's going on. But it's, I just, I just, I've always loved it. So I think it's just taken me a while to, to get around it. Probably because, you know, in the past you'd have to have so much equipment. But now there's, there's, so, many, there's so many things that are free and easy to use on your phone. That, you know, even five, ten years ago would be, it'd be impossible. So that's kind of a very long rambling answer to your question. No, not at all. Um, and, and you said, you know, for the most part, it would be kind of, you know, saints related in terms of the podcast and stuff like that. But um, your show aimed at, at saints fans or just football fans in general, or who, who I guess is the, is the target audience or who might enjoy this? Oh, well, do you know what? I'm going to really annoy you down that because I, you know, my day job's PR and marketing. So everything's all, all about <laughs> strategy and objectives and target audience and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I, it makes sense to stick it to football and saints now because that's what I always tend to write about. But mm-hmm. I think you could, potentially anyone could be on there. Maybe they'll have a football angle. Because for me, what I like about, what I personally like about podcasts, it's not necessarily the subject. If it's done well, it could be, a, if, if someone does a good, what you described as this narrative thing, it could be about, I don't know, glue or horses or ornaments. If it's done well, it, it's interesting. But I think, I think for the time being, don't worry, Saints fans. Not going to do. We're not going to do. Matt Letizia talks about Pritstick or uh, his favourite his favourite uh, ornament or uh, Princess Diana commemorative plate. It, it it makes sense to do about about you know, old old Saints guys because right now the club they do such a good job on you know social media what's going on now but you know nineties and before that a lot of the footage has kind of been lost through the cracks of time and a lot of players. A lot of very good players, I think, maybe don't get, aren't maybe as known as, as well as they should do. So there's loads of people I'd like to talk to and, and tell their story. So, again, you know, a very 
long and rambling answer, but I, I think initially, yeah, Saints fans would hopefully get a kick out of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, like I said, I enjoyed the uh, I enjoyed the first episode, and I, I I listened to it twice because I wanted to make sure I kind of you know. Oh man, you you really whole... do have time on your you really do have time on your hands, don't you? No, um, no. I was gonna say like I uh, I'm teaching summer school right now, and I have uh, I have a 30 minute lunch hour or period, and it's enough time to leave my room, walk across the street, across the shopping center, across the street to the grocery store, buy a couple of pieces of fruit, check out, and walk back. And it's it takes me like 28 minutes, and I have it down. I've done it for the every year that I've taught summer school, and uh, it it was just enough time to 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 get the episode in. And then, uh, I listened to it a little, again, I started again and then I finished it on the way to the car and it's just cause I wanted to make sure I kind of had it all. And I, I enjoyed it. Like, like you said, and I always, I listen for a lot of things when I listen to podcasts that are new and, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. But, um, where, where can people find it if they are looking for it and how would they find it just in case they wanted to check it out? Oh boy. Now you've got me. Well, it's, 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 you can get it on SoundCloud. You can get it on all the, all the places, iTunes, Google play. Bloody blah. I can stick a link out, but um, yeah, well, we'll we'll put a link in the in the, in yeah. the show notes and all that stuff. Um, it's very clever how that works, isn't it? It just sort of uh, it goes is. out to all these places. Yeah, it's. I remember sitting there and, and just manually putting it into a bunch of places before, and now they've made it a lot easier. Spotify's been great. Um, it, it's a lot of people listen to Spotify already, so it's it's nice if you can get on there. If you're not on there already, if you can find a way to do that, uh, that that's a nice a, a, a nice platform. Um, you mentioned that you like podcasts. What are what are some of the podcasts that you listen to on a regular basis? Oh, well, I like to listen. To, I like to keep up to date with all the Saints ones. There's a lot going about now. Anything football related, but I like I like a lot of the US ones. You know, someone who likes to write. I like um, I I really like uh, ESPN. You know, because they and and Sports Illustrated because they do the longer sports stories. I'm going to get a bit nerdy now. People like writers like Wright Thompson. You you know, he might go off. For six months and just you know like um hound and stalk tiger woods and just write this amazing long form piece of writing you know and so a lot of those guys i, I love and you, you must have heard of the ringer right matt yeah they do a lot of they do i mean again a lot of people in the uk probably won't know but you've got like what's the guy called bill simmons uh-huh he does one so i like i like a lot of the american sports one probably because i've always liked american sports writing because it seems to be People over there are allowed to write longer, you know, for a, a big, big, a big story. Whereas you don't really get so much of that in the UK. You get, you get. There's a magazine, there's a, there's a quarterly publication in the UK called called the Blizzard, which is pretty uh-huh. cool, which which kind of does that. But I've always preferred the the stuff in the states. Yeah, it's there are. I'm not there. There are certain, I guess, positions in the states that allow you to to write long form stuff, and they will you know, they, they, they pay them enough and they give them enough leeway and enough time. And they, they're part of big enough companies that they can do that. And then we also have the ones who are just churning out articles that would appear in the, you know, uh, the one that's a three letter word. It also kind of goes, we revolve around it in, in the universe and all this stuff, but I won't mention the name cause it's garbage, but, um, we have some of those too. So don't, don't, <laughs> don't worry. Yeah. I'm sure it goes on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of it's down a cost, isn't it? You know, these guys, you know, imagine if you had a job, what an amazing job it would be. Right. I've got to write, I don't know, five, just not, not a story every day, five stories, five long stories. And these guys, they go off and maybe they'll follow, I don't know, Tom Brady, 
was he quarterback with the Patriots or or relating it to England, I don't know, even Hazard or whoever. And maybe some of these stories don't even see the light of day, but they still get they still get paid in their expenses. Right. What an amazing life that would be. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, in uh, as I'm saying this, I'm thinking about it. Maybe I've painted myself into a, a bad picture, but like you know, this is this podcast. Uh, the way the one I do is is a weekly thing. It's kind of one of those where it's going to come out and it's going to be, you know, uh, hopefully I, I've only ever done I think one interview that didn't make it out because it was just not good. Um, but for the most part, they're all coming out. You know, um, whereas it's a lot of discipline to do that. It is. If there, if there's one thing my parents really instilled in me, it's like, you know, you, you consistency and then you got to do what you say you're going to do and whatever. But, um, it's, uh, you know, the, the storytelling aspect, the, the long form stuff, even though the podcast you did is not super, it's not lengthy. It's, uh, that's more of a long form thing. It's more of a narrative thing than, than what I'm doing. So take the time, do it right. And, and people will be happy when it's there. People will be looking for it. So, uh, if, if that's any sort of encouragement, I guess. That, that, that is, Matt. That's it. Cheers, mate. No, no problem. Um, talk a little bit about football. Have you have you been watching the World Cup? We mentioned a little bit, but you, you said you've been enjoying it. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, I I love the I love the World Cup. You know, maybe some people when they get a bit older, they get they get cynical, but I absolutely love it. If I was able to, I'd sit down and watch every game. I said, if I don't catch the games, I, I sit down for the highlights and then wake up on the couch about two in the morning because I've fallen asleep. I think it's been a I think it's been a great World Cup. It's been a great World Cup already because you know normally you've got not normally but often you've got a a team or two who are peaking as the World Cup comes along. But this time it seems like it's anyone's ball game really, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I think it'll be a bit of a tournament of attrition, you know. All I'm saying is I would I I think the Spain and Portugal group are tied with the Russian group, so I wouldn't want to play Russia. I wouldn't want to play Russia. I was, I mean, again, this is really, this is just complete, uh, completely uh, scandalous what I'm going to say, but I, I was very, very surprised at their two results coming in, you know, <laughs> walloping Saudi Arabia. Their goalkeeper, he looked hopeless, Saudi Arabia, and then being just pushing aside Egypt. I wouldn't want to play them in the second round because they're just, they've got all the momentum, so. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm loving the World Cup. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's been it's been really enjoyable um, as a uh, just being able just to watch and, and just enjoy and take it all in and, and being surprised uh, at teams. And, you know, every once in a while you get a team uh, like, you know, I completely uh, forgot that Muhammad El Nenny plays for Arsenal also plays in for Egypt. And it's like, it's nice yeah. to see him out there. And then you, you kind of see uh, even though, you know, you, when you watch on TV, they, they you're playing whatever team you're playing and they say, Oh, this is so-and-so he plays for, you know, this nationality, but you kind of forget. Uh, when it's not your team and you're not paying that close of attention. And then all of a sudden the guy, the premier league player pops up that, you know, something about, and you're like, Oh, you know, I can, I can see how he plays. And, and just the, the difference in, in some of these teams, um, you know, I, I was really surprised when I was watching, I think it was Iran or maybe Saudi Arabia. Um, they can control the ball and pass it around, uh, you know, goalkeeper, center backs, midfielder, back and forth. They can, they can swing the ball around like nobody's just, just like anybody else in the premier league or anywhere else. Um, and there's a certain quality that all of these teams are at. And then you really see the difference when you come up against somebody like Spain or, uh, Russia has shown to be really good or even Croatia yesterday. Uh, there is, there are, there are all these guys are really good. And then there's just some that are just so much better. Um, that is it. I don't know. It's just, it's, 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 it's humbling to watch that because we go out and play, you know, 
not even Sunday league quality. And it's a, it's a, it's a huge kind of, uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is just, just to watch guys who are, are really, really that good and know that they're representing their country and know that some of them have day jobs and they're, they're just out there doing this, you know, they have to take time off work or whatever it is. I think that's, I think that's great. Well, maybe you'll get a chance to watch a world cup game in, uh, what 2026. Yeah. The States have got it with Mexico and Canada. Yeah. There's bound to be a few games in your neck of the woods, isn't there? Yeah, um, I, w- I want to say two of the cities, uh, the Bay Area and uh, L.A. Are, are on the map as as potential cities. And they I have to I'm going to say this now and then I'll be shocked when it doesn't happen. But um, I think both of them will be used um, because that the International Champions Cup that comes over. It's like the preseason tournament that that some of the teams play in from all around the world. Uh, yeah. they always use, they use the Rose bowl down in LA. They use the Coliseum down in LA and then they use, uh, the Levi Levi stadium up in, up in the Bay area. Um, and I have to imagine that those will be used again because they've been used every year. Um, they have transportation in and out. They have all that stuff that they're set. They should be, they should be there. Um, and they hold a lot of people, so it, it should be, it should be fine. And I, I have to imagine, I don't care if I have to go to, you know, Costa Rica against, you know, who cares? It doesn't matter. It, yeah, uh, no, I'm a, you exactly. gotta go. Yeah, amazing to go. I'm gonna get a bit nerdy with you, mate. Mention the Rose Bowl. That, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was the ground they played the final in the World Cup final in '94, when it was in the US. And that it kind of froze me that ground because all modern grounds are kind of like bowls or they've got a roof. But that, if I remember rightly from from back then, it was like this stadium where, well, if it rains, you're gonna get wet basically. Oh yeah. Um, no. obviously it's in, it's in LA, so it is in LA, right? Rose yeah, 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 yeah. But doesn't matter, but is that like a college football ground or something? That's not like an American football ground, is it? No, no, no. So they, they use, they use it, uh, UCLA plays there. That's where the UCLA plays their games. So, um, yeah, they use it for, they use it for American football, but it's, they use it for college and it's, it is kind of a, it's not steep at all. It's a very kind of big bowl. Um, and it is, uh, it's actually, you park on a golf course, uh, in Pasadena, which is, it's beautiful. Um, yeah. and, uh, that's what I could never get my head. That's why I could never get my head around growing up is about American sports. Cause obviously growing up supporting saints with the Dell, which when the new seating requirements came in, I mean, we had 15,000 fans max in the highest top flight of English football. Whereas you've got a college American football game when they get 50,000 fans, I could never get my head around that. Yeah. How crazy because how big college sports are in the States. It's very hard to understand for English people, I think, British people. In until really recently, actually, the college sports had the bigger state the biggest stadiums in, in the United States. Um you look at places like in I think Michigan, uh Ohio State, uh those were kind of the biggest um stadiums in, in the US and and now there's a stadium in Atlanta that holds just a, just a ton of people. Um, I think they had something like 78, maybe thousand fans for an MLS game. They set the, they set the attendance record. Um, and Levi stadium holds a ton and the stadium in, in, uh, Dallas now is just massive. And so, yeah, college, college sports are huge. Um, yeah. and, and I don't know, it's, it, it's, it's pretty great. And, and then USC plays at the Coliseum, which is also just giant. And I got to see, uh, Manchester city against, uh, Real Madrid uh, last summer play play there and it was uh, it was great uh, the, the, it was almost all Real Madrid fans there were like four city fans um, and I felt really bad because Manchester City TV came up to us and, and asked us you know you know they went player by player I say who would you put on your team you know let's, let's fill out a team sheet if you could pick between these two and these two 
and uh, we just kept answering Real Madrid players, and I felt really bad. And I said, just you know, uh, and then and then and then City won four one, and it was, and then they went on to win, you know, everything but the Champions League. So I ha- I I got to see the uh, the Premier League winners and the Champions League winners play a match against each other. Uh, I guess I should be pretty. I should feel fortunate. Yeah, a glo- it really is a global game now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Besides Russia, anything really surprised you about the World Cup? Well, I think what surprised me most is because going into it. The whole political side with Russia and uh, you know what what they are, what they stand for, and maybe some of their questionable human rights issues. People think, oh man, this World Cup's going to be a bit of a downer, you know. But and there's going to be trouble. There's going to be a lot of hooliganism. I mean, touch wood, there's not been any. And the the, the atmosphere. I mean, I'm not there, but right. everything seems very very positive. So I'm just been pleasantly surprised by the the general uh, atmosphere. I know that FIFA. Um, are pretty good at just getting in, cleaning up. You know, you, you hear like bad stories of before the South Africa World Cup. You know, any homeless people just getting shipped out before the World Cup, so right. the streets look clean. Again, you know, I've got nothing to base that on, but I, I, I'm sure I know they do a, a good job to make sure it runs smoothly. But I've just enjoyed the atmosphere, and and also not just the atmosphere. I think that's brought on by the the games. Normally, the first the opening games of World Cup are quite cagey. Everyone's terrified of making a mistake mm-hmm. but it's been pretty open even last night argentina croatia the first half everyone looked like terrified of making a mistake but it was still a it was a real messy game but there, it, it was open so it's kind of been very refreshing in that respect yeah and uh speaking of which i mean we're recording on friday uh, afternoon uk time morning my time but uh, this won't come out till tuesday so a lot will happen between now and then i think england even have another game on sunday but the the hate for argentina yesterday coming from my timeline my twitter timeline which is mostly um english fans obviously because that's where southampton is but um you guys don't like you guys don't like argentina uh well, and yeah. i think i think i know why <laughs> yeah of course of course I mean- I'm probably not a good person to ask. I'm probably a bit too much of a hippie type person, you know, laid back. But I'll probably not be very popular for saying it. But growing up, I always quite liked a lot of the Argentinian players. People like in the '90s, like Redondo, who played for Real Madrid. He was he was an amazing player, and, and people like that. Um, I I I, don't, I think for them, it's it's weird that Maradona goes to watch all the games. It's a bit like. It's a bit like when you're doing something bad, and if you were a Christian, Jesus Christ, you know, turning up. Yeah. You know, because I just it, it puts such perhaps pressure on them. He seems to turn up everywhere, you know, yeah. uh, smoking cigars in the non-smoking section. But you know, they've been they've, anyone who watches a bit of world football. No, I got to the World Cup final last time round, and Messi really dragged them to the final. But I think people know that they've been a bit of a mess. They lost to. Copa Americas, didn't they, in that time? Yep. Went to Chile. And they've had a load of managers. And I was quite surprised. I mean, Mascarano, who's been a very good player, but still playing set in the field. I don't know how old he is now, but he's, I think, probably too many, too much mileage on under the belt to be asked to play set in the field. They just look a, a total mess. So I don't, I don't take any glory in anyone, anyone losing, really. But then sometimes you can watch a game and something will happen. I mean, the guy who scored the first goal last night for Croatia, I mean, frankly, he should have been sent off. I don't know. Right. I think any disappointment about the World Cup, I think VAR's an absolute shambles. Utter shambles. It just really gives referees more chance to show how, how incompetent they are. 
because the guy scored that was a fantastic volley by the way he scored got his name now but he, he did one of those cowardly tackles where you turn your back and pick the studs up on someone's shoe right right it's a completely red card yeah the guy you considered the penalty for for denmark for me that's not a penalty how can that not how can that be a penalty in harry kane when the guy's not looking at the tunisian guy's not looking at the ball arms round is for me vars a shit complete shambles yeah and for me what really bugs me is You've caught me. You've caught my rant here, but you know why not just give the benefit of the doubt to a striker? If the striker is half a yard offside, too bad. Just give the goal. Let football be a bit more free, a bit more ambiguous, rather than trying to give everything. Everything's one hundred percent correct. Football's a bit like life. Sometimes things aren't fair. You've got to get on with it and deal with it. You know. Yeah. I think VAR. I just, I just can't stand it. Hate it to the bottom of my soul, really. Yeah, yeah. It's a. Uh... You know, I'm I'm stuck between really wanting it to be correct because um, there's been this whole thing with with uh, with American with baseball. Um, you know, they started uh, a long time ago now putting the strike zone on TV, and you know, letter of the law, strike zone is from basically the bottom of the letters to the top of the knees, and you know, the width of the plate and some. But every umpire is a little bit different, you know, and so yeah, that's part of it. I mean, like American football is a totally different game to. Football as we know it, it's 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 more sort of regimented, regimented and structured. But football's not like that. And I don't. I think some this var this tournament has shown. All right, let's have another look. Oh, actually, it's it's a little bit more subjective than we thought. So, I, I suppose there is a place for some replays, and you could argue it came into. I mean, the over the two thousand and six World Cup final, I'm pretty sure Zidane got sent off because he had a little sneaky look at the. The, the camera from the third official, things like that you don't want to see happen. But right. I, I just think sometimes you have to accept in football there isn't a 100% correct decision. There isn't. Yeah. I, I think sometimes that what they should be watching for is those off-the-ball incidents that, you know, like the Zidane incident and like some of those things where you you got a guy with a hand to the face and, and then, you know, he goes down. It drives, or, me, it drives me nuts. But the referees are saying, we're going to watch it in the penalty area. And then if, if, you've got, if you're not looking at the ball, you've got your arms around arms around somebody that's a penalty right that's that's clear as day yeah whereas the guy for denmark going up for a header hitting him in the arm yeah that's uh, absolutely that was harsh i thought that was complete nonsense um so aside from that you know you you mentioned there hasn't been a ton of of hooliganism which is something that i was really worried about and read about and i think um you know sometimes i worry am i getting caught up in the kind of the media hype and the storm am i am i buying into it too much um but but the russian hooliganism is something that's fascinating to me because i i cannot i don't like i don't like watching fights i don't like any of this stuff but just the mentality that kind of goes behind it and all these reporters did did a fantastic job of, of of kind of get getting into that that mindset and that culture and really kind of uh talking to to the kids yeah. who are involved it hasn't shown up but you know, Gareth Southgate goes for a run in the forest and comes back with a dislocated shoulder. Um, I don't know if he engaged in one of these uh, forest brawls or not, but um, it seems to be a kind of a, an embarrassing way to get hurt. I want to ask you uh, kind of a, you have, you have a story about maybe the, the most kind of embarrassing way you've ever been hurt or injured or anything like that. Oh, let's see now. Um, actually there is one. It's not as bad as Gareth Southgate, but I, I was, Last year, training for the Southampton 10K. And although I was just going for a run around my way uh, in, in the evening, very nice, and there was a couple ahead of me, so I had to sort of run past them, sprint past them. As I stepped off the curb, fell off and twisted my ankle 
pretty bad. I mean, God knows what they must have thought. Because I did the old thing where you, I think the Swedish call it fartlek, you know? You jog to one lamppost and sprint to another. So I thought I'd sprint past them. And I just slipped off that curb and I didn't have to do my ankle in. And um, I could feel it swelling up, but I thought, I've got, I can't look at it, I've got to run off, I'm so embarrassed. Which made it worse. That was pretty embarrassing. I'm sure they probably still talk about it now. What about you? Um, I have two, two that come to mind. One, a, a running incident. I was, uh, I had played a, a, a soccer match the night before, and I, my thing is to I go running the next day, I go jogging the next day, it kind of seems to help my legs a little bit not be so sore uh, following that but um, I was tired because we played like a full 90 minutes on a, on a normal size pitch and I don't normally do that so I was out running and uh, I, I went to go kind of step up a curb get off the street and my shoe just caught the curb and I took a stumble stumble and then down and I, I had I reopened a cut that I had on my leg and kind of you know yelled or whatever and, and went to go get up and somebody was driving by it was a kid couldn't have been more than than 18 19 he rolls down his window and he says, Hey man, are you okay? And before I could even say anything, and he just goes like dumbass and drives away. And I was like, well, <laughs> I can't chase you, uh, but nah. I want to. And, and me at that age, it's totally something I would have done to somebody. So I, I to, it's, it's full circle. I deserve it. it. You had to take it on the chin. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. I think we've all had that with kids. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the other one that's not so much injury, but pretty foolish was, what was it? About ten years ago, me and a friend of mine, Scott Burnett, he's a he works at the Southern University in Southampton. We we thought we'd do a marathon somewhere. We ended up doing it in Siberia. And we were pretty fit, you know, playing football back then, but I don't know if it was the jet lag or the heat, it was getting about thirty degrees. I don't know what happened. I wasn't feeling so good in the race. All I remember is waking up in uh, in hospital. I think I passed out after about twenty miles. And that was that was bad, but the the worst thing is was coming around and I was on a drip and I was saying, oh, I'm so thirsty, I'm so thirsty. And they gave me a little thimble of water. And then I vomited all over all over my body. So that just, that just stripped me naked. Um, and uh, obviously being so dehydrated, um, <laughs> you know, I, all I can say is that, you know, all I can think about is those little chipolata sausages, you know. <laughs> it, was, uh, it wasn't my finest hour. Covered in vomit and um, urine and... Uh, with an extremely flaccid penis. So that was quite embarrassing. I, uh, I remember giving you a hard time about pulling out of the race, uh, cause you twisted your ankle and you sent me that the link to the article you wrote on that. And I oh, did. I? I didn't. Yes, you yeah, did. Yeah. Um, I was, I was, I asked that question with wholeheartedly hoping you were going to talk about that because it was, I remember reading it and laughing and reading it and also feeling really bad for laughing, but also just going like, man, this is great. And, um, I don't know. I, I cheers to you for actually, you know, taking the time to to write that and really kind of uh, tell that story the way you did because I thought it was I thought it was great. And tell you what, Matt, it links a bit back. It links a bit back to your um, you being a bit stressed out about interviewing um at Niniemi because sometimes that one makes the story better than when things go really wrong. A bit like in the spirit of Hunter Thompson, you know, when things go really badly, that's what I always think. If things go really wrong and I interview someone and they just call me an idiot and or I make a mistake, maybe that'll make it easier to write, you know, that's the consolation. Yeah. I, I think the only other injury I've ever had, uh, that was really embarrassing was, uh, I went, I went beer tasting at a number of places a couple of, uh, last year actually. And, uh, I decided at one point I thought we were pulling into the parking lot and I was sitting in a, a big van, kind of a 15 passenger van. And I decided I was going to 
you know, be the first one in. And so we pulled into what I thought was a parking lot, thought we were going to stop, um, opened the door, jumped out and we were going about 15 miles an hour. And I took two steps and just went down and this was towards the end of our trip. So I had, I had been drinking quite a bit. And, I was going to uh, say, I was going to say. And uh, my cousin was sitting in the front seat and she said, well, I thought you had it because the first two steps you, you went from being in the back seat to being even with me and looking at me in the window. And then you just went down and I slid, I slid into the curb, you know, up against the car, all this stuff. And my uncle gets out of the, the other van and just goes like, what are you doing? And just, you know, I had put my hand out to kind of brace myself. And so I just chewed through my hand on the, on the asphalt and it was just a, a, a bloody mess. And we still had another place to go and we were, we had probably another two hours out. And so I'm walking around this place with all these other people who are, you know, not, not, not nicely dressed, but nice, nice enough dressed. And I'm, I've got a soccer jersey on, first of all, and I'm just bleeding everywhere. And, um, I'm, that, you were yeah. yeah. And my hand, you know, was, uh, I still, if it gets, if, it, if I'm cold, you can still see where the scar is. It doesn't, it, it so stays nothing there. Broken. Nothing broken, but... nothing broken, just all, uh, just a flesh wound, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. fairly deep. Just, that's clear evidence. It helps if anyone listening, it helps to always be a bit drunk. That's right. You Otherwise um, you might've been terribly injured. Yeah. Were, yeah. Were, were not for that alcohol. That's right. It's uh, it is embarrassing, but I'm really glad it's all, it's all okay. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, you have a prediction for the World Cup, though. What's who's going to win? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, no, I haven't got any. I mean, I think that's why it's just a, such a great tournament because everyone was talking before about, oh yeah, Germany, Germany. I mean, maybe they still, maybe they still will get to the final. They look terribly vulnerable. People are saying Brazil. They've got some good forward players, but I, I don't know. I, I think this tournament's going to be a just a tournament of attrition. You know, there might be someone who's a favourite, and then they get they'll get knocked out. I'm still thinking that Portugal aren't a great team, but you just think maybe Ronaldo can can drag them to the semis or the final. Yeah, maybe 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 he can do that. You know, I I'm pretty sure the the Spain Portugal group is tied to the Russia group. So if you know, depend you know, it could be Portugal Russia second round. That'd be interesting. I've got absolutely no idea who's going to win. I think anyone who says they 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 do is is deluded because I think it's going to be. I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping the likes of Belgium and you know Croatia get a bit further on. Uh, sort of some, some. I was going to say lesser teams. That's not fair because they've got some really good players. And I just, I'd love it if England can get to the knockout stages because once you get there, you just never know. You just never know what's going to happen. I'm not suggesting for a minute England are going to win, but it'd be great. Once, it'd be great if we could get to the knockouts and just see where we go from there. You know, I always just want the toughest job for the commentators possible. Like I want a Poland team and you know, uh, maybe if they could have, if they could have played like Lithuania maybe, or if they could, if Lithuania had made it or if they can come up with somebody, maybe, uh, maybe some of the, one of the African nations, you know, if we, I just want to really, uh, I, I want a mouthful for the, for the commentators just so I can enjoy it. Um, they're all pretty well prepped for that these days. They're, they all do pretty well. I guess. I mean, I, you know, I don't know if you saw this, Matt, I saw, um, like in the UK, Clive Tildesley's, a pretty famous commentator and gets a lot of the big games, but I saw his notes for um, the Champions League final. And my goodness me, has he got neat handwriting? It could be a font in its own right. I've seen, I mean, I've seen, um, you know, Adam Blackmore from, from Radio Solent does the, the Saints commentary. His, his are pretty good. Uh-huh. And I suppose these are the things they're always referring to, aren't they? So they, they must do, they must do a lot of prep these days. Although some of the pundits, some of the ex-footballers, especially in the UK, they struggle a bit with a lot of the names. 
Yeah, they, they, need it. They, they need it for net. They need someone that one of the one of the assistants or runners to get sort of give it to them phonetically to, to prep up. I think. Yeah, I we did a a, a poll and preview show, um, and I, I I told somebody I would do it under with with one caveat is if I couldn't get this other guy, if I couldn't get Christopher Lash to help me, I wasn't going to do it. And we spent no joke about twenty five minutes beforehand. I and I had the names on a sheet and he was looking at it, I was looking at it and he was telling me this is how you say it and I was typing it out phonetically because I couldn't do it and then like I don't know like you've started to, to do the podcast and so you hear your voice on 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 there and and you'll get to having done this for a while you there is a certain kind of uh just inflection that you use when you know you're confident and you know you're saying it and then there's one that you have where it's not where you're not sure and that that episode being that this far into it, I shouldn't ever have that that issue. But that uh, all I can hear when I listen back to that issue when I was editing is just like you were so unsure of everything you're saying. Every time you come to a name, you pause and there's this extra and it was awful. So um, it hats off to those guys for doing all of the research and the prep and and that stuff because it's not it doesn't just happen. You know, the, the, they don't they don't just know these stats magically. Oh, yeah, they, they, yeah. It's all got to come. I think commentating would be a really hard job. I've always wondered because. They have to, it's not their team mm-hmm. they're commentating on, and they have to get excited or loud when there's a goal score opportunity. But they have, but, but if you don't do it in a genuine way, it just sounds a bit false. I right. quite, I'm never quite sure how they manage to do that. That's why in some ways other sports commentary like cricket is, is nice, nicer to listen to sometimes because it's more of a, it's a bit more gentle. But um, yeah, I think that would be, I'm sure a lot of the football commentators, they must have, Maybe maybe fans or viewers don't know it, but there must be a lot of times they listen back and think, "Oh, I hated that. That was awful." Yeah, it's. I'm sure. I'm sure, and I'm sure they have people, you know, uh, executives at the TV stations listening back and showing them, and this is where you messed yeah. up, and this can't happen, whatever. Or um, just go on social media and they get lots oh of God. feedback. It's uh, you know, there's a there's a guy Stu Holden who does Fox, and Fox has gotten a lot of criticism in the states for being uh, almost patronizing to the to the fan who's who's watching the world cup here because they, this is the first time they've had it in a while. ESPN's had it for a long time and they've been great. Um, but you can kind of see they have their A team B team, you know, and, and the big, the yeah. big games are going to Stu Holden and he's doing a great job and he's not a commentator. He was a professional. His career ended early due to injury. Uh, he yeah, does. A, I remember a, him. Did he, who'd he play for? Bolton. No. Bolton. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember him. Yeah. And he's a, he's a Houston dynamo, which, uh, is, uh, the, the team that I support here in the States. And so there's, there's that, and he's, he's fantastic. And so he's, it's nice to see him kind of getting all this stuff, but I also, I follow him on Instagram and you know, they, they've been doing the, the, uh, the late kickoff. So the 7 PM kickoff your time. And then they're flying to another city the next day, uh, the next morning at like three in the morning. And then they're, you know, doing another game that, that evening. And it's like, this is your life sucks. You know, this is, you're it's away from being your- on a, yeah, it's like being on a sort of rock band on your first tour of the US, isn't it? You're just going everywhere. Yeah, and, and 40 days away from his, his wife and, and kid. 40 days, you know? Yeah, you could lock into some pretty bad habits. Oh, man. Bottle of Jack Daniel. Well, you probably wouldn't want to do that before a before a game, but yeah, you could definitely. You don't want to hang it's out? Not what, it's, yeah, not what people think, is it? It's not what people think. I don't, you know, not as glamorous as you might believe. No, it's just I'm glad he wasn't hanging out with Maradona uh, before the uh Oh yeah, the game. He'll he'll pick me up, you know. Um, but <laughs> he he definitely looked like he's a, he's a very unusual character. For me, just going off, off piece a bit, Maradona for me, it's like he's had three or four different people. There was Maradona like 
pre-1986 had really bouffant hair and was maybe not quite, he was always quite kind of like uh, stocky. Then there was Maradona of 1990 who, who got into the World Cup. He kind of had the little earring with a little uh-huh. thing dangling from it. He looked really, that's when he looked really cool, I think, 1990. By 94, he obviously, you know, cocaine and, and various other habits he had the better way. He looked kind of like, and now he's like this kind of like, this, this, he's like a crazy uncle kind of guy. Yeah, like oh, yeah absolutely. Person. I guess when he was playing, he was like master of that. That's where he was most happy. He was master of his own domain. I remember at the beginning of the 1990 World Cup when they lost to Cameroon in Milan, beginning of the game, he was doing these keepy-uppies with his shoulder. I remember thinking, how is he? He looks so cool, you know? Yeah. Totally at ease. Whereas now he's just like, he just looks a bit loopy, you know? No, he, he is definitely your drunk uncle that shows up to your, your, your Little League baseball game. And just, it's just both very intimidating and because he knows so much about the game, but also just doesn't know when to say what and when just to shut up, you know? Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly uh, it. Um, just, uh, yeah, you have a few minutes. We'll talk very briefly about Southampton yeah, because, because yeah, this yeah. has been a great conversation. I don't really want to ruin it with everything that's been going on with the team, but, uh, um, first off we, we've gone back to the yellow, uh, the yellow, uh, away kit. Uh, how do you, you like that? Do you like, were you happy with the, the way the kits came yeah, out or, or anything, yeah, anything you, you wish? That would have changed. I, I love a yellow and blue away kit, obviously, because it, 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 you know it's the same as the boys winning the cup in '76. Uh-huh. Of course, I realised that most teams wore a yellow away kit up until then. It was just like it wasn't even a kit. It was like here's just a change jersey, just plain yellow, just totally plain, no sponsors or logos. And Saints only wore the 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 one they wore in the cup final for the cup final. It was it was specially made by by Admiral. So then all of a sudden that became a bit of a thing. So I'm happy. I saw on Twitter a lot of you know younger dudes who are unhappy because it's a red sponsor and it's a bit of a '90s-ish kit. And I suppose like anything these days, some people are going to love it, some people are going to be indifferent, some are going to hate it. I'm I'm happy. I think it's I think it's good to have that link to you know some sort of um, some sort of identity when we actually won something. I think it's quite cool in Saints. The last kind of like twenty years, they've done a quite nice. They've done quite a nice black and red kit. Like the one we had a nice one, didn't we? When we won at Anfield in the, the second leg of the League Cup final, that was quite a nice one. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? I'll be controversial. Red and white stripes is actually quite hard to do well. Stripes is hard to do well. It really is. It's you know, it's like too many stripes, not enough stripes. Um, it's, it, there's not much you can do with stripes, you know. So. If I was going to get one, I'd probably go for the the away one. But oh well, I'm never going to, you know. When <laughs> you got some poor sod in the social media team post posting about the kit, I'm never going to just go back. That's a lot of crap. And that's not really how <laughs> how, I like to, how I like to do things. You know, if you if you want to do that, you're free to do that. But I like the yellow and blue one. Yeah, I I, I am a fan of of that one particularly. And like you said, stripes is difficult. It's difficult to change it up. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, enough. And yeah, so. Isn't it? It is. I mean, you look at you look at the eighties. We never really had stripes at all. We had like the the, the one we've got just had last season. We had various versions of that. One season it was kind of like all red with white arms, and then at the back at the eighties we had one like the Denmark national team, the Hummel kit, okay. with like tiny little pinstripes. I tell you what, if we're gonna have any manufacturer, I've, I've always a few years back I always wanted wanted Saints to get a Kappa kit. But now, if we can get anyone, I'd love us to have a Hummel kit again. Okay, that would be cool. But you know, what can you what can you do with red and white stripes? Not much. Yeah. Not much. 
I think maybe unpopular opinion, but I, I like I like Under Armour. I always thought the Spurs Under Armour kits were really nice, and I was happy when yeah. we signed on. Um, and maybe it's just the American company in me, and the fact that over here they are still trying to kind of become. It, they start off making undershirts basically, and and like the all the the under wear that you would you would wear underneath your, of your jerseys and stuff like yeah. that uh and when they broke into the jersey stuff they they were really bad for a long time um they made foot, uh, american football jerseys that were awful uh really always really bright and and kind of harsh on your eyes uh but i think they've gotten a lot better and i'm i i my mother-in-law generally buys me a kit for my birthday and so i've been like the yellow one she's like but your team's red and white and i'm like yeah but the yellow one you know the yellow one uh, the yellow one please yeah, <laughs> please, buy, please buy me the yellow one I think I might try. I haven't bought a Saints kit for a little while. I might get the yellow one. I reckon. I mean, people, if you don't like it, no big deal. There'll be another yeah. new one next summer. That's how Absolutely. it works these days, you know. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Do you, I mean? Do Do we want to talk about the team? Do we want to talk? The The one thing I, I want to make sure we talk about, and then we can probably wrap it up, is is, is Tadich leaving. Um, potentially, it, it seems like that he's going to go. Um, for me, I am conflicted because he is one of my favorite players him and Bertrand are probably uh, one of my uh, two of my favorite players um and I've stood up for Tadich I think for the majority of of the season even when a lot of people were upset with him and and he is frustrating don't don't get me wrong but um I think he's he's played here for four seasons he if he moves on I think it's uh, I think we lose a lot but I also think maybe that this is potentially the the right time to do it with him being uh you know going to be 30 or he is 30 and, and this is might be the last kind of big contract you can get. We, this might be the most money we can get for him. Um, and he gets to go somewhere where he wants to go. And I think he leaves basically on good terms with, with uh, the fans and, and I think teammates and everybody else. Yeah. It's just a circle. It's a circle of saints, isn't it? People come and people go. It's always been the way. And like you said, he's, he's coming up. He's coming up 30. As Mick Shannon said, the old, you know, the old glass mountain. You can't maybe do it as much as you used to be able to. He's got some good memories of him. And he scored the winner at Old Trafford when Ronald Koeman was manager. I suppose people might think I'm being a bit flippant, but some Saints fans, they might think, well, fine, he's going. He's the creative player. Who are we going to get in to, to replace? So, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's always tricky getting players in a World Cup year because if, any, if anyone's playing in the World Cup, you know... That price is going to skyrocket. So, uh-huh. I I'm at the age now when I've seen a lot of players come and go. So I'm not maybe as I, I wish him well. You know, I, if he, saying he could be going to Ajax, right? So yeah, hope you if he does go, wish him well. Um, just be interesting to see who they get in. I mean, I, I really thought I I was I just. Very romantic notion when Gaston Ramirez came in. I thought he was going to be great. Didn't work out. I thought Buffel. I, I had romantic notions about him doing great. It didn't work out. A lot of rumor about him, you know, having right. a serious dust up behind the scenes. So, I, I guess it's it's more about the sort of character you sign on. I mean, not just Saints, but all clubs. They spend a hell of a lot of time tracking players to see what they're like and. How they behave. Although that said, we did buy um, who's the guy we bought? Who was a complete nutcase of Argentinian Italian? God, what was his name? He scored that brilliant goal against Manchester City. Osvaldo. Yes. Daniel. Yeah. I mean, he he that 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 was that went that went against the grain of yeah. We check out <laughs> players. We see what they're like and their personalities like. Blah blah blah. But obviously didn't do it with him. But you, I think with Saints, 
you've got to have people who you've got to have people who are pulling in the right direction. Someone like I've moaned a little bit about about Tadic, but you know it's because of the sort of player he is, player player. You know they're probably not going to track back and you know slide tackle. That's not their how they express themselves. But he's he's gifted. Yeah, he's gifted. He's got a lovely touch. I'm sure he does a lot of crunches, doesn't he? He's got a lovely I think so. uh, six pack. He enjoys that. He definitely uh, enjoys that. He, you know, he took his shirt off a lot last the end of last season, uh, and he then the, did, the lap of uh, of honor is that what it's called, or lap of appreciation? I don't, I don't know what it's called. Yeah, they do a little lap of honor that they to say goodbye. I'd take my shirt off more. I think if I if mine was like that. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. You know, he took he went he went all the way down to his to his uh, his underwear as we would call it here in the states. Um, uh, maybe maybe that was a sign. He just gave it all away. Maybe maybe he knew he was going to ask for a move because he went Probably. all the way down. Yeah, I mean, I thought he was just really enjoying uh, his time, uh, you know, in front of the crowd and and, and all that. I but think he does. I noticed in a lot of the Saints' pictures, you know, preseason, he likes to just take it off, tuck the shorts inside. You know, you know, he's obviously a speedo guy, which is fine. Why not? But I, yeah, he probably knew, didn't he? He was going. He wouldn't wait till now. You've got to sort of get the ball rolling quite early, haven't you? I mean, God knows how we. we these days we hear a lot of rumors as fans, but so much of it we don't we don't know about it. I'm sure it was all been all been tied up for some time. To anybody who's who who is listening still, be sure to check out behind the story. It's on kind of all the major podcast apps, and the link is in the show notes. Uh, of course, get in touch with with Mark on Twitter. It's at underscore Mark Sanderson. And Mark, it was a pleasure again. Uh, always always a joy to chat with you and. Uh, Hopefully, if I get over for a, a match this season, we'll be able to to connect. Yeah, thanks, Matt. You're a you're a complete nutcase, mate. Because no one would get up at four o'clock in the morning to speak to me, not even my wife. So <laughs> fair play to you. All right, well, my wife wouldn't get up to speak to me either, so don't worry. About uh, we're in the same club. Yeah, that's right. Have a good day, man. Thank you. Take it easy, mate. that does it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you enjoyed it. Special thanks also goes out to Mark Sanderson, author of the Bobby Stokes book, and now the man behind the Behind the Story podcast. You can find him on Twitter at underscore Mark Sanderson, and links to his podcast and his book are in the show notes. Go down there and check them out. We're also joined this week by Stephen Brandt from the Yellow Card Podcast. You can find them on Twitter at Yellow Card Pod and at Stephen C. Brandt. The Yellow Card Podcast is one of 50 podcasts that MLS wants you to listen to. It's not a team-specific or a league-specific podcast. There's lots of different writers. There's a wide variety of topics covered. Uh, So go ahead, check it out. You will not be disappointed. This podcast is partnered with the Southampton page. For all your Southampton FC news and needs, be sure to visit the Southampton page on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. The artwork for the show is done by Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. For all your match day edits, polls, competitions, and more, be sure to check out the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. The links are in the show notes. This show is also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're at SFCDELL underscore IVERY on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Facebook.com forward slash delivery on Facebook. So be sure to give us a follow, like the stuff, share it around. I really do appreciate it. If you're new to the show, there are links in the show notes that will help you subscribe so you do not miss future episodes. If you haven't done that yet, do so now to make sure you get each and every episode delivered to you as soon as it is ready. If you've been listening for a while, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. It really does help spread the word about the show. And if you're not on there, go ahead, share the show around anyway. Uh, That always helps too. 
The music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games. And the end of show credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Poddington Bear. There's plenty more World Cup to come. So until next time, remember that together we march on. <laughs>